Deskalade 2022 edition. I know. Our first Deskalade Ada in 2022. It's been a long um, year. <laughs> we're, we're now 40 years behind. We have 40-year-old tech in behind the desk and yeah. in front of the desk. We'll be so. talking about that a lot more. You know, folks are wondering why we switched over to the retro graphics uh, last year. Well, now well, you know. know. We have a bunch of retro projects and more. So this week, Lady Ada... <laughs> yeah, you should take those glasses off go. immediately. Um, so, the what do you want? Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes you need rose-colored glasses to see this world. Um, so, there's a bunch of stuff going on. We've been posting up a storm, as they say. We took off uh, on Wednesday, but instead of uh, taking off, we just did a ton of work that I think people will like. So, what do you want to talk about this week? Okay, well. Um we got a lot going on. Do you want me to start? Just do you want to play the videos for the? Well, for let's do let's them? do the intro. So, what have you been working on? And then we'll play the nine minute. So, we have a nine minute video with all of the things we've been doing. All the updates. All the updates, and uh, it's great because it's little one minute bite sized pieces, and there's nine segments, nine minutes. Um, actually, a little less than that. But what have you been working on? Okay, so we've got all these floppy disks that you and I, um, Phil, you and I have collected over the years, and. Um, you know, ever since we did the Prince floppy project where we, we you know, extracted the data from that Prince um, floppy disk that Neil Dash had after bumping the Neil Dash at a park in New York City, um, I was actually looking into, like, why was it so hard for us to get the data off? And it's because it's like a Mac double-sided. Everyone assumes that, their PC disks don't work anymore. No, it's actually it's it's interesting. I didn't know this. So Mac single-sided, double-sided, and high-density disks are actually completely formatted in different ways with different spindle speeds so it's like there's no way you can um basically read um you know the, the diskette data off of anything but up like an old power book which you happen to have but i wanted to get like a flux image of this disk and so i started like going down this path of like what would it take to image floppy disks also i have some bunch of old floppy disks that i wanted to image and recapture and um you know i started looking at people like oh you know you have to like connect to the floppy disk and like read the data off the disk and it's like hard and weird and I was like okay I'm gonna look into it so it turns out floppy disks they, they do have a kind of an interesting weird way of transmitting data but ever since people started interfacing with them the microcontrollers have gotten better and better and you can actually like use a microcontroller and bit bang the data in and like read a full track at a time and I thought it would be kind of cool if we could add this capability to circuit python so you could like mount a fat formatted floppy disk um, in CircuitPython. So this is kind of like a multi-pronged project where like I'm doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, the other thing is there's a chip shortage, so everyone who wanted to do all sorts of projects can't, and there's also a lot of old tech around. Instead of, it throw, instead of throwing it into the dumpster, you could use it. So we want, yeah. we want to do a little bit of that. So okay, well let's play the film, and then we'll pop back on the other side. Yeah, so this is what, what the, the one-week process of me learning a lot about um, how to interface yeah. with floppies and what it looks like when you interface with floppy disk drives. Here we go. Okay, Lady Ada, what's this? Okay, those are index pulses coming from this floppy drive that I am interfacing with. I just got, you know, the first kind of parts going where I enable the motor and I'm setting the direction. I'm gonna, you know, get the index pulses and then I'm going to find out when it's at track zero. 
Um, so basically kind of trying to read data off of this floppy drive so I can add native floppy disk support to CircuitPython. Um, soon I'll uh, update this to maybe use the RP2040 as well. Um, right now I'm just writing the code in Arduino because that's what I'm familiar with. So I finally got all the IDC pins set up the way I needed to. What was really helpful was this um, really, really nice modern data sheet from Samsung for the SFD321B. Uh, so it actually goes through everything you need. Um, and uh, so far so good. So I've just started basically getting the motor running. The floppy disk is responding. So far, so good. Hi! Ada, uh, I want to copy that floppy. That's right. Uh, here I've got some more stuff going on with my floppy disk controller that we're going to add to CircuitPython. So yellow traces you can see uh, is the index pulse that goes low, and then you see this like moving blue line. That's actually data coming out of the floppy drive. I click the single button, you can see the data comes out and it comes out as these pulses that are like, you know, they're they're supposed to be kind of be like a PWM, but they're actually just very low, low pulses. And then there's a pull up to pull it up high. And you can see that the um, data comes in, you know, in, in various widths. And um, so that's actually the tough part of reading a floppy is this is about 500 kilohertz. And the pulse width varies encoding the data. So over here, I'm actually doing something a little naughty. I'm not using a PLL. I'm actually just very, very quickly uh, in a no interrupt loop, um, reading those pulses and printing out the pulse widths. And I'm gonna see if that's good enough to read data from a floppy drive. Okay. Nice Nordic shirt. Lady, what are we doing? Okay, so uh, part three of my floppy project is I've got the data coming out of the read pin. And this is um, a GPIO pin I'm toggling up and down to show that I'm properly reading the pulse widths. Uh, for the data that's coming out in MFM format. And then what I've done over here is um, you can see I'm capturing flux transition and I've got a Cortex M4 here with like 256K of RAM. And so it's actually totally fine for me to just buffer the entire track of flux transitions because there's only 100,000 uh, transitions maximum per track. Um, and you can see that there's a little bit of binning here. So there's a couple pulses, you know, a lot of pulses around 40. And then down here, we've got pulses around 60. And then finally, we've got pulses around 80. We've got a couple extra long ones, which is a little bit weird. Like, why is it 228? So a little bit more to analyze here. But I'm starting to get data coming in, and the data looks right. Hey, data, what is this? Okay, so we're doing some floppy drive hacking, and I've got this like original three and a half inch floppy drive, but these are actually hard to get because they're not made anymore. So I was wondering, you know, there's these off the shelf USB floppy disks, and, you know, can I somehow use those? So I opened one up, I cracked it open, and it actually has a SFD321S Samsung three and a half inch floppy drive with a little adapter here, and the adapter's got a little cheap chip on the back, and there's all these points here and I'm hoping can I get flux transitions out of here because I don't want it to do the translation for me I want to get that raw data well good news um, I found a really nice person online who actually did the uh, pinouts and then when I access the disk you can see on the scope I get my index and flux transitions so you know normally if you use these USB floppy drive converters you don't you know, they, they give you like a, a, a USB mass storage, but this way it can get that archival quality flux transition data. What is this? Okay, I still got my Panasonic floppy disk drive and my Feather that I'm interfacing with. And I've gotten flux data out, and now I want to get that flux data from the disk drive and the Feather into the computer. So I'm using this open source tool called Grease Weasel, and I'm updating it to support... Um, 
this setup that I've got here. So basically I'm reporting the Grease Weasel firmware into Arduino. So far so good. There's some like flux opcode thing that I gotta figure out. Like I've got the flux data leaving here. Um, you can see it's got the flux data sent and then over here it says, okay, it got the flux data, but then I have to like somehow encode the index. So I'm getting there, I'm close to getting raw data dumps onto my computer using totally open source hardware and software. Okay, happy new year. Happy new year. Boom. Hey, what is this? This is the first floppy disk I'm gonna try reading with my Grease Weasel compatible firmware on this Feather M4 hooked up to this floppy disk. Um, so I've got flux data and track seeking working and I'm able to get some tracks working, like some tracks are reading just fine. I'm also getting some tracks where it's like it doesn't see any sector data and I think that's probably because like the flux data format I'm sending or the index whatever um, opcode I'm sending isn't quite right. But for those first few sectors that I do get working, um, the data is good. So I'm just going to have to figure out what it is that I'm doing that's slightly wrong, um, but I feel like I'm getting closer, at least I'm seeking, and I'm getting some data uh, working from the beginning of the disk track. What is this? Okay, I think I figured out all my power supply issues and my flux timing issues, and I'm reading, ready to read the secret disk that I got that they hid in that place that one time. Right. Thank you, Acid Burn. So I'm gonna put this in my floppy drive, and then over here on Grease Weasel, I'm going to start capturing track data. So I'm gonna capture all the MFM IBM PC sector tracks, all 80 times two headers. So 160 total tracks. Okay, so we have read all of the sectors 100%, so it's ready to uh, open up win image. We're gonna open up that secret image. Oh my God, it's gonna open, but I'm gonna open it anyways. Oh, no. Yeah, let's just open it. Oh no, not mm. again. Yeah. I've got Rick on my own floppy disk reader. Yeah, dude, what is this? Okay, so we've still got our floppy setup going on here where we're capturing flux traces from a three and a half inch floppy drive but I've replaced the Feather M4 Sandy 51 with this pink feather, not just because pink is a cool color, but because this feather has an RP2040 on it, which is a low cost chip from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. And this chip can run really fast. It also has this cool PIO uh, peripheral. So we're overclocking it to 200 megahertz, but why not? We're getting good uh, flux captures over here. And uh, when we recompiled it, and we're running a Grease Weasel, it's just working. So this is cool because now I've got two different platforms that work with this Arduino library, which is the goal to make it hardware agnostic so more people can um, wire up hardware and build hardware to work with floppy disk drives. And then next up, maybe we'll try this little fellow, the Raspberry Pi Pico, $4 microcontroller board. What is this? Okay, I'm wrapping up for the night. It's getting a little late. Time to maybe do some yoga and chill out. <laughs> um, so I've got, um, the final board I'm going to interface with, this is the Raspberry Pi Pico. So this is a $4 mic controller. Um, and the reason I'm targeting this is it's available, like Digikey has 17,000 of them in stock. And some of the hardware that people are using for open source floppy interfacing isn't available because we're in a silicon shortage, but this chip is available. So it's nice is that the pinouts like kind of line up very nicely. You can um, connect them straight through to your floppy disk drive. Um, and then load the um, Arduino code onto it and I set up the pinouts all nicely. And um, 
tested it, uh, read a whole floppy just fine, and then I've submitted this to the um, Arduino library registry so you'll be able to get releases, and maybe I'll even have it auto-generate UF2 files. So I think I'm done for tonight. Maybe time to celebrate. Good with, uh, work. Glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we're back. So that's an overview of everything that we're doing. A um, couple little side notes. Uh, I changed the ending for each little chapter because we're all on all the social media channels. And what you didn't see is uh, this. And this is a little bit of computing history from me. So I started Hackaday. I thought because Hackaday did a lot of retro stuff, that was my vision, my idea. Um, that it would have a floppy disk. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe that's not going to work out. So I've been thinking about this, like, floppy rabbit forever. Um, I raised Holland Lops when I was in 4-H, and so I was just like, well, so Bruce and I, Bruce are a designer, we were like, okay, let's let's jam out and figure out a way. So if you, if you even though it's not real, the little eyes are the uh, back, the hubs that spin, and it's a floppy disk. If you look close, you see the ears. You know, I like logos that, that when you look at it, does a couple different things, like uh, the FedEx logo, uh, back in the day, the Northwest logo. So, uh, anyhow, um, that's a little bit of background. So, that's what we're doing. That's what we're up to. Uh, do you want to talk about the uh, hardware that you're doing and then the great search? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm, you know, I wrote this library, um, Adafruit Floppy, and it's kind of designed to be a generic floppy interfacing library so that you don't have to have specialized hardware because right now a lot of the floppy... Oh, pull it up on GitHub. Yeah. Where are there, and I'll pop to the computer real quick. Okay, so it's um, here. Okay, so. So it's called Adafruit Floppy, and um, it kind of generalizes a lot of the interfacing stuff and the things that you normally want to do. And like, it's still confusing because like, polarity is inverted and floppies are open drain. So right now, it supports talking to 34 pin. Um, drives, like sometimes called Shugart drives, that, that should work. Right now, I know it works with three and a half inch floppies. It should work totally the same with five and a quarter. And it might even work with some eight inch drives. Um, Apple II drives and Atari drives and um, Commodore 64 drives, I think, are a different interface. And so we're going to try to add those as well. But I'm starting with like three and a half because it's kind of like the most common. And then. Yeah. Um, I want to add like Apple II and, and Commodore 64. So yeah, you can... we want to play Top Gun. So look at, look at this. Use, we got Top Gun. And then, um, oh, you, we've got uh, Print Shop. Print Shop. Because everyone has a copy of Print Shop. It's the law. It is. I mean, everyone <laughs> used Print Shop. As a, I did yeah. too. I, I made, um, you know, those calendars. Yeah. It's like super fun, actually. Like, it was kind of neat at the time. You're like, you could come up with something and print it on paper um, on your image writer, too. Uh, so. That's where it's at. I mean, I've only been working on it for a week. Um, the thing that I got working um, recently is I emulate the Grease Weasel interface, and Grease Weasel is software that's written in Python that you run on the command line that connects to the hardware and grabs the data and then saves it into like disk formats for you. So, you know, the you know floppy disks you need to read data very fast. Like you really need like twenty megahertz sample rate of uh, reading data, and usually that means like a hundred you know, plus megahertz processor. Because usually it's like, you know, you have to sample and, and count and compare. And so you need like, you know, five, um, you know, five instructions per per read. And so that's how you end up with, um, needing, you know, 100, 100 plus megahertz processors. That's where the, the Cortex M4, 7051 and the RP2040 are great. Um, they're low cost and they're, they're super fast. 
and then you read the full track's worth of data at a time, and then you can transfer it over USB to like the computer, which can store massive flux images or do the decoding. It also, um, what's neat about Grease Weasel is it's like, oh, it'll look for the formatted data. It'll be like, okay, I found the sector data in the correct format on the magnetic flux. And if it doesn't, it'll, it'll, you'll reread it a couple times. So it's, um, all that stuff should be done on the computer. It doesn't, you can do it on, you know, microcontroller, and I'm going to try to do some of it. But when you want to support massive numbers of different formats, um, computer software is where it's at. So it's got Grease yeah. Weasel, and there's also a software called Flux Engine. Um, and again, both require kind of specialized hardware, which you should purchase to support them. But I wanted to also have a way that people could in the future use other chips. And possibly there might be other things you want to do with floppy disks, like turn them into musical instruments. Or again, you know, add, um, you know, floppy disk data support to Arduino or CircuitPython so you can actually read the files off the disk. Um, so yeah, where the, the project's at. The other thing is um, all of the floppies out there are disintegrating, and a lot of people assume they pop it in somehow with a USB drive that's supposed to work, but all these formats are different, it doesn't, so they just throw stuff away. And there's um, millions and millions of disks, and our entire computing history is getting lost by the hour. So, um, you know, we get uh, hate mail, hate tweets, because people are like, why are you wasting your time with this? Um, digital preservation is a big deal, check out archive.org and more. And there's a lot of uh, things that we could all learn. And also, there is a ton of computing history. And if you don't know computing history, you will doom to repeat it. We really need to make things better. Because trust me, it's not exactly working out right now. Yeah. Um, so That's all we could learn. Yeah. So that being said, um, okay, so let's, what else do you want to do? Let's go into the great church and I'll show off the PCBs. And then we'll show off the connector saying to get. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DigiKey. The Great Search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Every single week, Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering for good to show you how to find things on DigiKey.com. Lady Ada, what is the Great Search of the Week this week? Okay, so this week I've been working on floppy disk interfaces. So I designed some hardware. Um, first up is a uh, feather um, that'll connect to uh, 24, sorry, 34 pin IDC cables that are on the back of uh, floppy disk drives. Um, what do you want to do? The feather. This one? Nope. This one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's just kind of, you know, to, to make it easier for me to do the wiring because there's so many pins that you need to connect. It's not 34 pins because every other pin is ground, but it is like 12 or 13 pins or 14 pins. So it can, it can get um, a little hairy. And then um, to do a little bit more advanced interfacing where you might want to talk to different drives, I have a little like flippy floppy friend that will have all the different uh, connector formats. Um, floppy. Yeah. Thank, thank you for yeah. the little watermark. Yeah. Um, so no, that I, it's not a watermark. <laughs> I, I just like the logo. That's I gotta remember because I don't want. No, any, I don't mean watermark. Like, don't use don't the want, image. I don't want anyone to say now you're watermarking images. We're not. I like the little graphic we made. I thank yeah. you for having a little friend. Um, so, uh, and and actually these are up on uh, GitHub under an upper permissive license, so you can use them right now. Um, so this is just like a breadboard to uh, 34 pin IDC connector. Um, and uh, the IDC cable is quite easy. We've actually covered uh, IDC cables on the Great Search. So this is a standard 34-pin um, uh, cable. If you have to do the twisted part, you need to get this, the special cable. But for just like you want to connect to OneDrive, just use a straight-through IDC. Um, but the tough part that's a little bit more annoying is the uh, power connector. So let's go to the overhead. I can show this power connector. 
So, let's see. So this is the um, IVC connector, and I'm just using jumper cables right now, but it's a um, it's a two by 17 IVC. Um, and then there's this power connector, and the power connector is, um, it looks like it's a 2.54 inch. Um, it looks like it's a 2.54 inch, but it's got like a keyed connector. And one thing that's a little um, scary is, you know, one side's five volts and the other side's 12 volts. Um, now floppy drives don't actually use 12 volts, but just in case, it's probably best not to flip the cable around, especially if you're connecting, you know, maybe to drives that do require 12 volts. Like I think, uh, I imagine five and a quarter inch disc drives require 12 volts because they're just that much bigger. But I don't know, maybe eight inch drives. But the connector is spec'd. Um, for 12 volts and so I want to make sure that even though like you know today I'm using just like a, a jumper cable I want to get those uh, key connectors so that on my PCB when people connect um, there's no risk of uh, mixing it up so let's go to the computer and um, okay so I actually just typed in uh, to Google um, floppy disk power connector because I was like, what is, what is this connector? And there's nothing wrong with your Googling. You never know. Um, you might be able to get, uh, some good info. So this is a nice image on Wikipedia and you can see the key connector, uh, red, I think is five volts and then black, black, two grounds and then yellow. Let me see the other way around. And then this is the, the power connector here. And this is the, um, data connector there. And again, the, the data connector is IDC standard issue. So this cable is actually called a Berg connector, which I always find really funny because like Berg is a, is a sub-brand of Molex. Like it was purchased by, um, sorry, Amphenol. So even though it's like a full company, like people like to say it's a Berg connector. And this is um, true of JSTs as well. People are like, it's a JST or it's a Molex. It's like, okay, these are companies that manufacture hundreds of different connectors. So like that's a weird way of, of calling it. It's like, what is that car model? Oh, it's a Ford. A Ford what? Oh, just a Ford. There's like many Ford cars. Anyways, um, so this connector is, um, let's see, I even have the pin out, which is nice. Oh, yellow is so 12 volts. So what's nice is um, it's a 2.5 millimeter pitch, and um, it is uh, 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 keyed, so you, you, know, you definitely want to get the right one. What's nice is they say here um, the part number, which is uh, AMP uh, 17, 1718264. Um, so go DigiKey and we type that in. And sometimes uh, you don't get the connector, but in this case, you know, they actually do have them in stock, which is quite nice. Like even though floppy disk drives are no longer made, um, this connector is still available which is, uh, you know, nice and fancy. Um, oh, wait, let me, uh, you can uh, look at the 3D model here as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to use this connector because I'll be able to get cables that have the matching um, polarity on both sides custom made. Um, I will say it's not a standard cable, so it's like if you're looking for that on DigiKey, you're not going to find it. However, I thought as a bonus I'd show how to get a, a cable that might not be keyed, but you might be able to use, even though it's not using the same exact part number. Like, 
it's a bit of a hack, but you'll find that, especially in larger pitch um, cables, you know, if it's 2.5 millimeter, you can find almost any 2.5 millimeter and kind of like get it to work. And that might like hold you over until you get um, proper cables made. So let's go to cable assemblies. Um, and in this case, it's, it's, even though it's a single line, it would be called a rectangular um, cable assembly. Keep this running. And um, one thing that I do like is the DigiKey search is updated recently. So when you click on stuff, it like does the sub selection highlighting. So for example, um, if you go to the connector and you know, we know this is a 2.5, um, 0.25 inch, sorry, 2.5 millimeter, um, 0 0.098 um, inch, it'll actually, you can see like it um, grays out the cable versions, like the, the cable PID products that don't, won't be available. So like there is no 60 pin 2.5 millimeter, which is expected. Um, but there is four, single row. And um, when I apply this, you know, you'd, I like to apply because it kind of clears up um, some stuff. And then let's look at what's in stock. And um, there's a few cables and some of them I'm like, I don't know, this is kind of a little bit, it's a little bit of a, of a strange connector. Um, but this one, you know, might work. It's, it's short, so maybe we could look for a longer one. Let's see, length. Um, let's get one that's like six, six to, you know, half a foot to a foot long. Yeah, some of these are, yeah, like this one. You know, it's it's a Molex, but I think it, it might work. I think like this one is a little bit um, weird, this Bizu style. It's like a waterproof connector. Or this um, JST XAF, I think could also work. Like it looks like it would fit. Um, I'm gonna order some of these and try it out. But you know, before you get cables custom made or you crimp cables, it's worth it to get like one of each of like, you know, the, the matching pitch and like look type cables. And even though you wouldn't use it in like a final production, um, again, it could get your prototyping up and running. Cause like the cable that I want isn't made normally. And I'm gonna have to contact a PCB, a cable making house and tell them, Hey, I want the floppy connector on both ends. Um, that's not a standard connector. Usually it go it would go from like the motherboard power supply mm. to the floppy disk. So, um, this is the bonus round. The connector is the, is the, um, the TE amp, uh, right angle, but this is a cable that I think might work as well. Okay, and is that the great search? That's the great search. And that's a great search. A twofer. All right, so um, I thought we would do a special segment that will probably be a blog post series because uh, you know what most people like my blog post, so there's like one guy that yeah. doesn't. Um, so uh, this is, I'm calling it Tales from the Hack. And uh, Lady A and I- Tales from Hack in the Day? Yeah, sort of. Lady Ada and I have a rich history in the world of the hacker world, 
But these are positive good stories because there ain't a lot of them, at least the ones you, you, you don't really hear anymore. And so um, those are some floppy, Apple floppy drives in the back there. Um, could you think of a story of maybe when... Think of a story. Could, you, could you remember a time where maybe people were making fun of you for doing retro hardware and what the outcome was? The outcome was I looked cool in the end. Um, oh, it just took a while to uh, to get to that. Sometimes people are really mean in person. Sometimes they're even meaner online. But but what? Tell me about the story that you told me that I thought was so good that we actually emailed two people because I'm just like, this is the best story I've ever heard. Well, we were we were talking about what's your first, um, you know, because we, we now have like a, a pile of the diskette drives that we brought over from Adafruit and um, they're at home, and it was funny because it's like when I was a kid. Um, in high school, I had some old retro uh, technology. Of course, at the time, like, retro was like five years, right? And now it's like 30 years. Um, but when I was in high school, um, I helped out with the IT department. Um, you know, shocked. Which, which was like, I mean, like, I think I played video games, but also, like, I think I coiled cables, and I think I ran Ethernet a couple times. Like, I was, you know, it was just like a high school, after school type thing. And um, the computer lab got renovated. And, and for those who are about my age, you remember all your computer labs were Apple IIs for a very long time. And eventually, you know, the Apple IIs, which, which did last like 20 years, surprisingly long um, amount of time, um, they eventually got replaced with PCs. And so, you know, one day I was down in the, the cage in the basement of the high school, and um, there was these stacks of, of Apple IIs, and I think they're two GSs, and like disk drives and monitors. And um, the IT director, um, I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but she's like, oh, I'm going to dumpster these. Um, but if you want them, uh, you can, you can grab them. And, you know, I was, it, I always said, like, I was kind of like this really weird nerdy girl who like did electronics and, and retro stuff and, and computing and coding and hacking. Um, and, you know, I was kind of the only one who helped at the, now it's kind of cool to have that on the computer lab, but at the time it was like definitely like not that cool. Um, but, um, they had all this pile of stuff and I was at the time I was hanging out with, um, a bunch of hackers in the Boston area um, who, who had this hacker, spa hacker space at the time called um, The Loft. And um, they really liked their old computing. They had like a vac station and they had, um, you know, a bunch of old like Tandys and Cocos and, and what have you. Um, and uh, I thought they would have liked the Apple IIs because even though they were retro, they were, they were still um, kind of expensive. So I called up. So this is where I don't remember if they call or did they post a message on the BBS, but I got in touch with Joe Grand, um, who at the time was going by uh, Kingpin. And um, I said, hey, you know, um, you know, down in my high school, there's, there's a bunch of Apple IIs you want to come by and grab them and we can, we can take some of the loft and either like sell them at swap meet or turn them into like some gaming station. Um, and so he came by and we were digging through the hardware. I think we like kind of pulled out like the best of the, the computers in the pile. And then we're like, okay, we have to get a ride to the loft. And I, I, we didn't drive. Like I was obviously like 15 or 14 and I think Kingpin was also like 18 or 19 and didn't, didn't have a car. So he's like, no problem. So we called Mudge over um, and said, hey, can you come you know, grab these Apple IIs because they're really heavy and take them over to the loft. And um, so Mudge came by and at the time he, um, he had a really cool car. Um, we just asked him what it was, and it was a um, was a Mustang Cobra, all black. I think it was a convertible. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm hanging out in front of like the high school, like holding like these like three Apple IIs and like a monitor and a disc drive. And I don't, I'm probably taller than me, and like the most like bitchin' like awesome looking car with all these mods, like 
drives up in front and that's where like everyone was like skateboarding and like smoking cigarettes and hanging out this is right after class and everybody's like what the fuck is this car that just came in and the door opens and I like sit down inside of it with like these apple twos on my lap and like closed the door and drove off and like I could see like everybody was like what is going on why is nerdy girl Lamar getting into this like sweet car and uh who's driving away with her um so it was really cool for like two days yeah but, <laughs> but you know this is the thing there there is a lady ada right now in high school getting made fun of and getting ridiculed and i hope there is a mudge and a kingpin that's out there um helping out and starting that spark because we're here because lots of nice people decided that they saw something in us and i worry that there's not enough of that anymore so anyways mudge yes. is now the chief security officer of twitter and we were just hanging out with him and it was really nice to catch up and we were just emailing with uh mudge and joe just now because we're like hey like this is a fun story what's uh, funny is mudge actually is the one who told the story because i didn't remember it and then we were at a party not recently but like a while ago he told me a story and i was like oh yeah like i i i, I remember when he told me but of course it you know it, to him he's like he definitely had, you know, he made the joke. He's like, yeah, I'm going to high school. I'm picking up chicks and apple twos. <laughs> yeah. But think about it. Um, he had cool hair at the all, time. All, too. These, all these people and all these, these folks are connected. And there's not a lot of us. And I think we can help uplift and, and uh, rise the, raise the next generation and show them that, you know, computing can be fun and you can have really good times and you can meet good people. And there's a lot of... Um, good morals you can bake into this stuff too. It doesn't all have to be bad. And I think we're all beaten down and the last couple of years have been hard, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like we all get to do something and Adafruit's its own little universe. Um, but I, I really thought this story was important. So thanks for sharing it, Lady Ada. I know now, you don't do a lot of personal stories. Now but. we have a, a video um, edit. Yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a fond memory. It was, it was very funny at the time. Um, but yeah, there was a, I think there was even a computer club, and I like I wasn't in it, and like girls weren't in it. There was still a lot of stuff when I was, you know, in, in high school. I remember there was a D and D club, and like girls weren't really allowed in it. And then at the time, of course, now that sounds ridiculous. Um, so many girls and women do D and D, but at the time, it was um, it just kind of wasn't done. Um, I, which is, which is good. The, Things have really changed. Yeah, you were the first female engineer on Wired's cover, and now it wouldn't be unique or interesting at all that that's a fact because there's been so many since so you know yeah. we're all we're all breaking some silicone ceilings uh around yes. here in some way all right well that's the that's all deep good, cuts. good story. story okay well that's our desk of lady ada tonight everybody thanks for tuning in glad we got to do some story time and more um we're going to do a bunch of stuff um just straight up everybody just because i help manage 130 plus people um, we have a bunch of people testing positive. They're all fine. They've been at home, but after the holidays, um, it's happening. They're all okay because they have been boosted and vaxxed. Please, 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 please just stay frosty, stay sharp, stay safe because um, this wave is uh, pretty much uh, the worst it's been, at least mathematically, uh, for the number of people, how fast mm -hmm. that we've seen in New York City mm -hmm. uh, in our circle. So please be careful, everybody. I want to see all of you after this is over because we got a lot of stuff to do all right that's all right it. more floppy hacking coming soon uh send in your cool retro stories and we'll put some on the blog yeah bye everybody have a great week